One way I set myself up for disappointment is by claiming what has been called a special status in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, what I mean by that is that special status means, well, this is going to happen to all the rest of you, but it shouldn't happen to me. See, it's almost like I think that I have an exemption from somehow I got an exemption right, right. from the draft, for example, right? Is that somehow I'm not going to be pulled into the same things that happen to people in life. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is uh, producer Patrick Newman and Dr. Alan Berger. How are you boys doing? Well, here we are. This is a Saturday. Thank you guys for being flexible and recording today. I'm excited. I'm going to be on the Delaware River tomorrow on a raft. You let us oh, know if you is, see is the ghost this, of this, George is, Washington. <laughs> It, it sounded like a punishing thing or something. There's gonna set you set you adrift on a <laughs> river. What, did you, river what did you do? Did you already piss off the northeast? I mean, what? <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm excited. I you know I've I've done a few tubings at one point in time where you just hop in a river on a hot day and you know tube. Oh, I was yeah. in when the temperature was like 125 <laughs> degrees, and we jumped in this this river and we were tubing and. And it was the greatest way to spend a hot four hours on. And so um, this this company has been in business for 50 years on a Delaware River. And I, I was going out last week to take CC to a play date. And I saw all these rafts and tubes coming down. And then a bus passes me by Bucks County River Trips. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Googled them this week and they had some a reservation open tomorrow morning. So we're going to head out on the on the river uh, on a raft white water rafting is fun but but that tubing is 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 we, we used to we you know where the piney river is down by by where the ranch ranch is where where you know where we you and i met it's like it's the population has grown out there and i think it's the same but it used to be such a cool place we we would do just that we would we would just get tubes and it would be like several hours down i remember the sunburn i had on the first day because i didn't even didn't even consider that i'm just going to be laying out in the tube in the sun <clears throat> for all these hours but it was we have such wonderful memories with our, our friends from the ranch doing that so that's it then you guys are you guys are you guys are gonna have fun that's great i'm, I'm really excited so thank you guys for being flexible hey, no problem of course and you know i i'm gonna pretend i'm george washington at one point crossing the delaware and mm. i'll imagine there's ice on the river uh, <laughs> you'll, that, you'll stand up and try to strike that pose and and, right. and, 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 and fall over I mean, that, that's the, that, <laughs> that that's the video i want that's <laughs> i suggested the topic for today because of so much been going on the last few weeks politically and mm -hmm. you know and just the theme with a lot of my clients lately has been disappointment 
There's been so many disappointing events, you know, in terms of our society and, and then, you know, that's at the, at the social level, but at the personal level, so many people have, uh, you know, lost jobs and relationships have gone south and, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult time as we've all experienced through COVID. Yeah. So that's the top, that's the topic. Yeah. The topic is disappointment. Oh man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, I knew one of us would get sorry. This. You love you lobbed that one over. I mean, I <laughs> I did lob that. I'm, I'm good at setting you up at the net. You did. That was a that was a nice you setup. Smash I it. Put aways. No, you know, I agree. Alan, uh, this is it's very important. Yeah, I trust you, Alan, to have a sense of proportion. But do you do you think these days, these days being, I don't know, the last uh six to twelve months. Have been like any more disappointing uh on the whole than times past or is it always like this it's a very interesting question you you know you guys know that i've started to turn into a bit of a history buff around the Mm -hmm, revolutionary mm -hmm, war mm -hmm. and i've just finished another book on it called band of giants and it's a an in-depth exploration of the generals mostly and the soldiers that fought the revolutionary war And, you know, from I, I don't know what it is that I, I thought that these guys would be revered and celebrated and stuff like that. Well, first of all, after the first two years of the war, the war went on, I think, what was it, six years or something like that. After the first two years of the war, Congress distanced themselves from the whole Continental Army. They didn't make sure that they were fed. These guys are fighting in the winter with no shoes on, hardly have, have, they don't have jackets. Some of them don't even have shirts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the camps that they're living in, they don't have adequate tents. I mean, they go back, they're not being paid. You know, it's funny. Congress has always been up to the same tricks, hasn't it? <laughs> That's what <laughs> I realized. themselves. I, there is such a split between What's going on in Congress and the reality in society? Mm-hmm. It, it's so interesting. And at the end of the war, after these guys won, and, and I mean, look, it, when you start to read, when I started to read this thing, I realized what an incredible feat it was to defeat the British. This is a professional army, well-trained, well-supplied, well, I mean, everything. Well, the generals had, you know, these were veterans from other wars. I mean, it, there's no on paper, there's no way we should have won that war. Right. And I'm telling you, when you read these guys that, that became our general, this one guy, Knox, he was so, so incredibly creative <laughs> in terms of supplying his forces in the way that that after he would defeat he the way he said I I the a British officer said this we beat them they fall down and then they get up again we don't know what's going on right. and that was the thing that kept happening that led to their victory is that these guys despite the disappointment despite the failures in these battles they learned from every one and they fought smarter and smarter and smarter through the thing. And you, do you guys see the uh, the Patriot with Mel Gibson? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. So that last battle scene, remember, you have mm-hmm. all of the militiamen up front. They fire volleys as the British are approaching, and then they fall back, and the British are coming on, 
And then all of a sudden they run into the Continental Army. Yeah, that, yeah. That was a strategy that was developed by the in the American Revolution by the generals that they would put the militia out first. They shoot a few volleys. The British think we got you. We got you. We come after them. And then they run into the Continental Army yeah. and turn the whole battle around. That happened a few times. But I mean, so, you know, this whole thing about, you know, the what's going on politically, Patrick, I do think it's unfortunately a pattern in our society. And, yeah. and and it's it's very sad because the ideal of this country is so wonderful, isn't it? Right, right. Certainly, in my adult life, I've you know I've I've learned I've learned how we were how how much we were misled in our in our lessons of history of our youth. I mean, I, there's some wonderful books out there about you know kind of what really really happened in history that are, that are very interesting to read. Uh, but the thing the thing you talk about though with the, with with your example, uh, Alan, it's persistence. It's, I think I actually go all come back. It's still, it's still in Philadelphia, by the way, but it's, but it's Rocky Balboa talking to his son in the last Rocky Balboa movie when he says, it's not, it's not how, it's not how, how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and get up and keep moving forward. It's, it's the whole, the whole lecture that Sylvester Stallone wrote in that thing is, is, is absolutely brilliant. I have, I have a client who, who has it framed. I gave it to her in a poster and she has it framed on her wall at home. It's, it's like, but that's what you're talking about. You're talking about creativity and, and persistence. And the other thing I think that you're, you're bringing up that I'm really seeing in, 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 and I, in your your move your move to the to to Philadelphia has increased your history in in, in history. My just my getting older has increased my history uh, uh, curiosity because I have a sense of history now. Uh, but you realize that yeah, so much of this stuff has been going on and with different different content a little bit. But it's uh, it's. Uh, I, I go. I was Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, said if you something to the effect of "You live forty years, you've you've seen everything that's going to happen. That the plot's going to repeat, you know." Yeah. And 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 I and I and I think what this all brings me to is the idea that, and this fits perfectly into our topic of emotional sobriety. I mean, this is one of the bigger ways that we can by by, by being disheartened by looking at what's going on and being disappointed. And even devastated in the bigger picture of, of, of our of the history that we're living in, is is a mistake. The the, the thing we need to do is, is, and I think it sounds like what you're learning about the the the, the army and the Revolutionary War that we're doing with these generals, is it's it's about doing the right thing according to who you are now. It's about getting up and being, and it's exactly what you talk about. It's getting up and being the best version of yourself today in, in spite of, or because of the, the circumstances. And at the end of the day, you know, self-respect. I feel, I, I feel, I feel like I was, I, I, you know, no, I call it regret reduction, you know, to, you yeah. know, try to try to live your life so that you're not likely to regret the day. And it's like, that's, that's the essence of self-esteem for me, not, not how much, not how much progress I'm making. And it's, it's been that way as a writer for me. It's like, it, 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 I, I would have, you know, I, I think I would have been disappointed as hell. Somebody could travel back in time and tell me, well, your books are going to sell this way or not. And then, you know, oh, well, that's not what I had in mind. But the idea is 
No, that's not what it's about. It's about getting up and producing what I want to produce. It's about, about putting out there what I want to put out there. And it's about being the person I want to be. And I mean, that's, and that's easy. It's simple, simple, not easy. But it's like, that's the kind of principle I think we're talking about with emotional sobriety. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to read the definition of dis- being disappointed. Oh, right? good. Because I, I thought it'd be good to ground this in, at least into a common understanding so, so the dictionary says that when you're disappointed, you become sad or displeased because someone or something has failed to fulfill your hopes or lived up to your expectations. So it's a very interesting thing that it's, it's and people ask me all the time, well, are my expectations unreasonable? Well, yes. sometimes they are. <laughs> yes. You, you know, if you, let's say, expected, you know, a boss to act a certain way, and then they act out of character, and, you know, you had hopes that they would continue to be consistent. Well, is that an unreasonable? I don't know. I, I do know to count on that, right, can be a setup, right? Because you're setting yourself up to get disappointed. I was just thinking even tomorrow, I'm looking for, I'm so excited about the trip tomorrow. You know, there's a part of me that could be setting myself up. You know, right. it could be because I've got all these hopes. I, I'm pretty good at, at nowadays rolling with the punches. So, you know, I'm going to make it a good time no matter what's happening. It's not dependent on that. It depends on mm-hmm. way I show up for this trip tomorrow. Sometimes it's just about accepting the fact that we do not we can only as as i heard a comedian say time travel really does exist but it only moves in one direction and it moves in real time unfortunately but we can't go back so the moment the moment of disappointment if we if, if i need you if i if i if i want you to to do something or be something for me and that moment that you're not this is and i learned this directly from you one of the first things i learned about just the the terminology with with emotional sobriety is ask the question powerful question what unrealistic expectations do I have right now? And, and it's like, you know, I'm a big believer in not all or none things. So, 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 so it's, it's like, it's, it's actually an exception to one of my rules. The idea of I go ahead and assume that if I'm, if I'm disappointed, if I'm hurt, if something like that, that I'm not, I'm not saying, could I possibly be having unrealistic expectations? I'm, I'm knowing there are unrealistic expectations at play. So I'm going to, I'm asking the, the more focused question of what are they? And a lot of times it, 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 it's not, we, we get into the wrong debate. We, we get disappointed in other people because we use our own, we use ourselves as the standard of measure. And that doesn't mean that we're greater than everybody else. It just simply means what I'm really saying, if I'm disappointed in you, is I don't think I would do what you did in that situation. And that may or may not be true. But but the other but the other piece is the main expectation is well, time travel. not be congruent. See, a lot right. of people say that, but they don't check in to see, have mm-hmm. I done that in my life? Right? Well, that's what I mean. That, that's I, that's and that's part of the humility and the respect is I can say that I can, you know, we can. That's easy. To, it's easy to do to watch the news and sit there and say, like, well, I would do this and this and this and this. And, and, and we do that. But it's like we don't know that it's like, you know, we, we don't know how, we, you know, you know, when you get there. But what I was saying, too, is, is the other thing is the expectation of, of, of the unrealistic expectation of time travel. It's like it's like the moment you d- don't meet my expectation that I may or may not know that I even had. And I, you know, and that's, but most of these are not things I've, I've listed out my expectations, but the moment I'm disappointed, the moment I'm, I am hurt by whatever that is, 
my ex it's not about what I expected of you in the past. It's the fact that if I'm, if I continue, you know, it takes time. We, we want to have our feelings. Disappointment needs to be processed. Those are those sadness, hurt. Those are real feelings. We want to process it. When we're talking about being stuck in disappointment, what's happening is, is I am remaining disappointed in something that has already happened. It's like, it's like, I cannot change the past. So yeah. it's, it's like the only choices I have about going forward. Okay. Now that Alan has gone, has, has, has done this and you were and rather than saying even the language, even rather than, and you're disappointed, which means I'm just continuing to be disappointed and putting it on you to say, okay. And at that moment in time, you were disappointed, which, okay. That tells me that that tells me there's a break. I had an expectation that, that, you know, maybe it was possible, but it's no longer possible because that moment has passed. And this is how we get ourselves stuck yeah, in like defining that. ourselves by disappointment. Yeah, right on. The, the other, the other, and it's good. We're exploring all the different dimensions. You know, we was, I don't know if it was last week or the show before that we talked about nihilism. Mm -hmm. We could define nihilism as chronic disappointment, right? I mean, it's chronic disappointment that then turns into nihilism, right? That seems to be how it's manifested. But, you know, one of the things that, that I was thinking about as we were processing this whole thing is this idea that one way I set myself up for disappointment is by claiming what has been called a special status in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, what I mean by that is that special status means, well, this is going to happen to all the rest of you, but it shouldn't happen to me. See, it's almost like I think that I have an exemption from somehow I got an exemption right, right. from the draft, for example, right? Is that somehow I'm not going to be pulled into the same things that happen to people in life. Right. And then when it becomes me that it's happening to, I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't mm -hmm. what was supposed to happen. This shouldn't be going on. I've been a good person. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've, I haven't done anything to deserve this. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about that. How many times do we hear that from people? And, and, and I notice my immediate, I have a reflex response when somebody says, I don't deserve this is, it, you know, I'm going, well, of course not. You know, <laughs> hell, hell, I, I, I probably don't deserve most of the good things that have happened to me either. It's like, this is, I mean, it's, I'm serious. It's like, it's like, God, I, you know, it's, it's, it, I, you know, I've said that to people before. It's like, like, you know, I kind of hope that it's not based on, on, you know, what we deserve because, because, you know, when, especially earlier in recovery, but even now, if somebody says, well, you're going to, you know, you deserve it. It's like, I don't know that, I don't know that I like that system. If I look at my entire life, all the 68 years on this planet, I don't know that I really trust the math to come back on, on my side. If we're, if I'm going to get what I deserve, I think they may be putting me out in the ocean with a, with a raft, <laughs> you know, and just by myself at that. No, at I that think I'll, I'll probably be on that raft with you. <laughs> I think you and I would be. They Part Part, part of our punishment would be put me put together. That's right. That's like, here, you guys deal with each other. Do that. All right, good luck. But let me let me go back to what you were saying because I think that I think that this is a really good place for us to talk about. And, and this, I'm gonna I'm gonna put another term out here, and that's just what, that I use a lot more these days. And it's investigation. It's like. A lot of times when we describe these these concepts that we're getting, you know, we get these concepts by examining things with hindsight. So when you you what you describe is is I think a beautiful example of that holding ourselves, you know, as an exception to the rule. It's like and a lot of times when you say if I say something along those lines to somebody, they're going to say, "Well, I don't think I don't do that." It's like, 
you know, I mean, and not that there are some people who may do that pur purposely, consciously and go like, that's not what we're, we're not saying that you're, you're, you're thinking that you're doing that. We're saying that this is what you may discover when you investigate, <clears throat> you know, is, is the idea is because the idea, I mean, that the idea, you know, I, I experienced that. I mean, went through that part of that was my part of my process when after nine 11, uh, a terrorist attack, it's like, you know, it was, in this country, we're so devastated, and it was like horrible and all this other stuff. But but then part of what you needed to be seeping in was how the rest of the world exists, and how many other places in the world where this kind of thing has happens, you know, way too much, way too often. You know that that we're going like okay, well, so in a way, we can use these times where we feel this disappointment as a way of of connecting to others. You know, be, be becoming more more aware, more empathic. To other people it's like to be able to say like yeah th this is tough and, and you know i don't feel like i deserve this and 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 i always want to make that point that when people you know because you see people get into the debate sometimes we see that even on thursday night group is like like when we're saying let's look at your side of the street let's look at what you're doing we're not excusing anybody else we're not saying that person didn't do something that would disappoint us or is not disappointing it's like in terms of our the way we look at things we're saying all we're really one of the most important things we say in emotional sobriety is is that sh i call it the shortest version of the serenity prayer you can only change yourself that's and you all can you can do that's it in two ways in one way is one way we know which is how i respond and emotional sobriety really helps support this in me and has helped me grow this part of myself is i get to choose and it's not just get to it's not just a right it's a responsibility i choose how i'm, I'm going to assign meaning to things that do happen in my life i'm going to i do, I, I am i have a right to and a responsibility to to decide how i'm going to interpret my world See, because that's the place where we were as therapists, certainly that's where we work to help people change things. It's how you interpret it. And it's like, it's not a mind game to talk yourself out of feeling something. It's a, it's, it's a way of un becoming, becoming unstuck is a term you use a lot. Right. It's like, can I, can I speak yeah, to some go, of that? Go for it. Go for yeah. It. Um, how I'm interpreting the things that displease me about the politics, for example, I, I resist interpreting what I see oftentimes in a way that metabolizes it. I, I, I kind of don't want to feel too happy about it because that produces like this feeling of complacency. And like, you know, I, mm -hmm. I get a lot of encouragement about that from my parents, I think, who see me so tuned up by all the horrible shit that's been going mm -hmm. on and talk about expectations. I think that we were all just stewing and biting our fingers off during Trump. And now that, uh, there's been a changing of the guard, at least in my case, I have all this laundry list of expectations. You know, this is uh, what I would like for the Democrats to accomplish. This is the public spending I would like to see. These are the institutional reforms. And when checkbox by checkbox, none of those are getting checked. I just uh, start to go insane because, uh, you know, the, the, the pendulum swings back and forth in our uh, political system. And um, I can see things getting a lot worse uh, than the way they are now in no time at all. And I guess I just, uh, what you said about not getting tired, you know, the Rocky thing, um, mm -hmm. that means a lot to me because uh, it's not going to stop just because I get tired of looking at it and dealing with it. So I need to find a way to kind of keep my head up, come what may, 
Um, but I, I guess I, I just want to find a way to live with what I don't like also without fully accepting. <laughs> and I guess that's what I'm talking about. The cognitive dissonance. Can you imagine things getting worse politically and, and socially and you getting better as that's a person? A, that's a tough one. That's a tough see, one. That's to me, that's a guiding question that works for me. It's like that's and that's been a turnaround in some of this stuff for me is the idea of thinking of the of the of the of the, of the fucked up world and humanity part. And, you know, there's I mean, there's wonderful stuff, but the, but the really rough stuff that just seems to repeat, like, you know, sort of like like Marcus Aurelius says about repeating the plot, he said you know, is, is the idea that's, I've, I've come up with this metaphor that I've just keep using nowadays is, is that we're these stones in these, in, in the, the human condition is this tumbler that's polishing us, you know, and it's like, we get in there and, and that's what we're here for. We're, you know, I don't know, I don't know how the fucking universe works, but it's like, I, I, you know, I have a friend of mine who, who died several years ago, but he, but he, 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 he took a place on my committee, definitely. And one of the things that he said one time, and I have kept it with me always, which is beliefs are choices. We get to choose what we believe. He, he said he, he was saying this in response to people who feel like they have to objectively sell their beliefs to everybody else. You know, it's not I, I have to prove that my belief is an objective reality. It's like like, you know, this guy was a very philosophical guy. And and I and I just love that concept. And the idea, you know, so one of the things I find is that I not only feel better, but I do better in my life. I'm more proactive. I'm more, you know, is because it doesn't help. The, it doesn't help. It doesn't help my my world my family, my nation, anything else for me to feel bad. That does not actually help me. It's like if, if where there's places where I feel bad, that helps to, to feed my motivation to do, do more, either intrapersonally or interpersonally, then that's a good thing. But otherwise, I'm not, and I think codependently, we've kind of learned that, that one of the things we, we're supposed to do is feel bad for, for, for things we feel, we often will feel good, we'll feel guilty for feeling good, especially if things are going bad. It's like, but the idea of, of, saying i'm gonna i'm gonna choose to believe that humanity the the my, my human experience is here to to help me be, become a better person so regardless of what's happening i want to be the best version of myself i can be today and that does not mean ignore what's going on because the best version of myself will speak out about political things and, and social things that need to be spoken because i'll because that's to use alan's term congruent you know, we're living, trying to be as congruent with our own value system as we can. But the idea, you know, that is in everything that we talk about and everything any other, I think, spiritual or psychological teaching really has is being in the present moment. And the way we do that is all I can do is measure how I'm doing right now. It's like, I, you know, it's, it's like, that's it. And so, so I believe, so I, I, what I choose to believe is that that I, that I can hope for and, and and even work for things being better, but if they're if, if but if they're not, if they if I continue to be surprised by things that I used to say, well, at least that didn't that wouldn't happen, or the the Sinclair Lewis you know novel back from the last century, it could never happen here, you know is you know it's like well it can, and it's like so I want to be able to and the other piece is I know I'm giving a little little sermon here, but it's like the other piece is, is 
let's not let's not villainize disappointment it's just it's a it's a it's a collect it's it's not a feeling it's a collection of feelings it's like it's an experience that we have but but the other thing we also teach in, in emotional sobriety is the multiplicity of mind and the multiplicity of our of our soul it, it's like we there's more than there's more of me than that so i can feel disappointed and still have what I think of as, as like healthy, not, you know, I know how to do unhealthy way, but healthy compartmentalization where I can put that, I can put that away and I can go about my life and I can live my life and enjoy my life. I can go, you know, I'm, I can, if I'm Alan, I'm going on the, on the river tomorrow, you know, I'm going to do that. That doesn't take, that doesn't mean I'm no longer feeling the other things that are going on, but it does mean I'm living my life as fully as I can. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, no, that resonates. Um, no, it's uh, so. Here's here's another uh, dimension of this to to discuss. So, um, where does that disappointment come from, right? So, the definition yeah. says hopes or expectations, right? Yeah. You know, I I think that many of us are incredibly idealistic because we really hope for things to be a certain way you know, meaning the way we think they should be fair, for instance, like we were right. talking about fair, oh, how many patients come in and say this wasn't fair. I mean, you know, we hear that all the time. I've replaced the word fear fair with unfortunate. Yes. There's I a like lot that. of things that happen yeah. that are unfortunate and it has nothing to do with fairness that are unfortunate, but see what you were saying, Tom, it's so true because the meaning I give to that disappointment, let's say that, that I don't, do the investigation you talked about mm -hmm. and start to question. You, you remember when we were talking about how the consciousness starts to change when we start to mature, right? Like mm -hmm. we talked about a healthy paranoia where you start yeah. to become suspicious mm -hmm. of what you're feeling and what's making you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Hey, instead of being suspicious of everybody else and what they've done wrong, right. we just get suspicious of how am I creating my existence? We yes. start to ask that question and investigate it. And I think that there's so much benefit from that investigation. But as we start to do that, you know, when I started to do that in my life, I realized that this is a really, really complex and deep issue because it goes back to how was disappointment dealt with in my family? Mm-hmm. Right. How is disappointment developed in our culture or dealt with in our culture? You know, how do we handle this? Are we able to work through the pain of the disappointment and then get on with the business of accepting it and seeing what it means to us now and how best to respond to it? I've rarely seen that as a response to disappointment. I realized that one of the things that when you start talking about the, that, when we start putting, looking for all the answers on the outside and we start looking inside and we have that, that, that healthy paranoia, or that, 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 that skepticism that we, that we need to, to, you know, to where too much, too often we may have idealism in there. It's, it's, I, that's fascinating. It's, it's, it's one of the things that makes me love this job, but it's all, but, but it's, the fascination is not just about the job. It's it, I've, I've learned about so much about myself and it's like, and, and I, one of the things I just realized as you were talking is I think, I think one of the things I've been doing lately is trying to, trying to, to, to introduce clients I work with to that fascination, to the fact that not only not, you know, this is not going to fix everything for you, but this is really kind of a cool way to be, yeah. you know, because there's so much to learn. Yes, that's right. 
I know? feel I feel that excitement. Listen, yeah. I, even yeah. about ourselves. It's not just it's not just I'm excited because you're nuts and I can and I can analyze you. It's like, no, I can go, I can go like, wow. Right. How, I know. Why am I why am I responding this way? No, I, I shared with <laughs> the thing that's kept me, I think one of the things that's kept me in recovery, in addition to being able to hang out with people like you and Patrick, <laughs> is the excitement that came yeah. from that from that curiosity yeah. that was awakened. Yeah. I mean, that has been, and you know, that's why, you know, I come to this, this podcast week in week out, just like the Thursday night meeting. I'm still as excited about it as when we started, yeah. if not yeah. more, yeah. because we're still finding new ways to talk about it. New looking in different dimensions of it, finding, you know, a, a texture that we couldn't see before. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a remarkable process, isn't yes. it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's it's yeah. It's one of those places where I go like you know I, you know we could have to have real jobs. It's like, but you know we we but you know we have conversations for a living. Yeah, it's like you know there's different ways of saying it, but we do that with our clients. You know, and and just and th these uh, these conversations with you guys are very much like my my relationships and my my conversations with my clients. You know, you you have ideas when you walk in the room, you know, to do that, but you don't know where this conversation is going to go. And it's like, and could you have written any of your books without your clients, without those conversations? It's where they all come from. Nope. Without my clients and without. It's, it's like, it's like I, my, my thinking. Examining my own behavior. You yeah. Know? Well, and I, but, but I, but, but yeah. So being in therapy with our own therapist right. and being with, right. with support people, it's like, it's like, yeah, I've, I've you know, I've often thought that, that if, if I ever were to retire from doing clinical work, you know, I definitely, I, I definitely would need to be writing something different than self-help books because, because I'm, that's, that's, that's where that material comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, let, let me share uh, kind of my experience with disappointment, and then we mm -hmm. can maybe even kind of extract from that some of this emotional sobriety stuff. So, you know, it's no secret. You guys have heard me talk about the, you know, incredible disappointment I had when my father died when he was 39. I was 11. I was devastated by the whole thing. I And I couldn't deal with any of those feelings. Mm -hmm. And no one around me was really dealing with them well. They were you know, lamenting and, and really stuck in this theme that, that it shouldn't have happened this way. Mm -hmm. Right. My grandfather would say, your son is supposed to bury you. You're not supposed to bury him. My mom would be crying about, I was supposed to grow old with your father, you know, and I, you know, he was supposed to help me raise you guys. Now I have to figure out how to do this myself. You know, so that's not how it should have been, right? It's not how it was supposed to be, you know, and I'm there doing my version of that. I was supposed to have my dad around to help guide me through high school and, you know, through all the, the, the trials and tribulations that are coming. So my response to that was in my immediate environment, my family and stuff, there was no one for me to turn to. I saw everybody struggling and suffering themselves mm -hmm. and so i didn't find any resource i didn't even think of turning outside my family of course at 11 i didn't say hey mom i think it's good for me to go to therapy now. Right, <laughs> I mean, right, right. that wasn't available for me mm -hmm. um and it wasn't available for my mom to say hey i think we need some family therapy to learn how to right. as a family deal it really it really was every man woman and child for themselves it, it really was that was the theme tom that mm -hmm. and so what I did 
two things happened to me. I didn't want to have any more hopes because I thought that would set me up, right? right. So I tried to live a hope-free life. And see, and by the way, we're investing. That's logical. See, that's very smart. Very it's smart like, adaptation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. Yep. but you know, there's also a part of I think the human spirit that looks mm -hmm. for and wants to look at the future and have hope that some things could be different, right? Right. right that's right. one of the things that carried the American Revolution and these guys continuing to fight the way they did mm -hmm. is that they had hope that victory would be after the next defeat, right? That they mm -hmm. didn't let that stop them. So there was a part of me that, so I had this interesting thing as having these needs, mm -hmm. but not wanting to have them. So talk about the conflict, right? Now, here I go. The committee's now forming, right? right. The, the, the Alan that's having very naturally has these needs and desires. And the other guys are saying, now, wait a minute. We're not going to have those needs and desires because you know what's going to happen. If we have those, you're going to get disappointed and hurt again. And by the way, you don't know how to deal with that disappointment. You go get drunk. You go get loaded. You know, you go up in your room. You know, you go masturbate. I mean, whatever, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it's it's like you don't have any tools, buddy. So that factor now that wasn't a conscious factoring in, but it was definitely an unconscious factoring that I had no very little capacity to be able to absorb, process, integrate, digest disappointment. And grow from it's, it. it's also let me just put this in there it's, it's, it's also a thematic it's also a theme that that, that so many people uh, human beings experience which it, which is i you know because i i have these needs you know with again not a conscious thing I have these needs i don't know how to meet these needs I, I don't the people around me are not meeting these needs the, the i don't need to i should not need anything and so all of a sudden we we shut we try we think we, we can't stop our, our needs you know so so the, they, they just they just store up as unmet and that's you know what you know all we can say about that is well it's a living you know we, we well we, what we, i we you know what that. i think what happened with that with me that's when i became selfish yeah oh, we, oh you have I, to that's when i became selfish because i didn't think any of you guys out there would give a shit about me. It's all going to have to all be all about me mm -hmm. because it's every man and woman for themselves. Right. Right. right and the boat's right. sinking and the boat is sinking. Right. 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 And people and people and, 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 and people feel guilty about having needs. People deny having needs and they mistakenly think. And I've heard you talk about this actually recently. Uh, the uh, uh, I don't know if it's the exact language, but it's, it's like the idea that that, you know, the way to be independent is not to be without needs. That's that's counter. That's, we have a term for that. It's called counterdependency, which is pretty much a phobic response to having a need from anything. But you know, but but the truth the truth is, people who are truly independent, and we go back to our our, our topic, which is emotional sobriety, are extremely good at identifying our needs and being and extremely resourceful at getting those needs met. Now, That's what we discover is there are all kinds of ways that we didn't know we had that we can meet our needs internally right. for That's ourselves. Right. But when we need other people, when I need you and Patrick, it's like, I know how to get that too. Yeah. It, it's so like, here's, here's yeah. an interesting thing that happened to me. So the more I denied those needs, yeah. the more I was building up yeah. this hope unconsciously 
that I would find the right woman yeah. that would solve all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. That was my search for glory. And right. it, it had a name. She was Denise, my first mm-hmm. wife. And Denise was going to be it. She was this cute little blonde that mm-hmm. I met when I was 16 and mm-hmm. reconnected with after Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I went into this with all of these unconscious expectations that she would reverse all of the experience in my past. Well, she- and if you if you forgot about that at any given time, all you had to do was go to the movies. <laughs> that's right well listen, all i had to do is live with denise for a couple of years and starting to realize you know what this isn't an actually she has her own needs she's not here just to be mine ah, that's and, trouble <laughs> i mean way talk about immaturity my god you know i was you know i was often surprised when i she would talk about things she needed in a relationship and you know it's <laughs> Like, you know, here what? now comes very important dialogue between us. And it, you know, it really culminated at the time when she was clear, not wanting to be a mom, which I, I'm so grateful for. And, and I love her for today. But at the time, my desire to be a dad was so strong. And I thought, look, she's blocking me from having what I want. Mm-hmm. She wasn't blocking me. It meant that I had to give up the hope that she would be the answer for everything. And, you know, be honest with myself. If that's what I wanted, then I had to create the opportunity for it. Denise wasn't going to do that, which meant that I had to walk away from someone I loved and cared about. Well, the gift that one of the I've heard you talk about this some before the gift, the one gift she she offered you there is is her clarity. That's it's I, like, absolutely. That's right. And, and today I I couldn't appreciate it at the time. I hated it. No. I was so mad about it, you know, and all that stuff and blamed her. See, that's the other thing I want to really make a note. If you find yourself blaming, you know, yourself or others for your disappointment, you're not going to be able to learn from what's going on. Right, right. Now, you have to go through that. I'm not saying you shouldn't blame yourself, but don't see it as a stopping point. Right. See it as a step towards the next step, which is now saying, what is, what does this mean to me that's right. getting so angry about? It? Well, and the other piece, you just, you just added another piece, a piece of that, because one of the things we can use is, is lessons from our past is remember, don't ever forget how many times, how many things happen to us that with hindsight, we can interpret in different ways. I mean, like, like we wouldn't expect you to, to, to see that clarity of, of, you know, you could, you could not from where that you were, you couldn't see the clarity as a gift. However, remember now when the next time you're in distress, remember that that wait a minute i don't see the whole picture yeah, so that right. you know and i helps i think it helps us move through quicker it does does so look it's this has been a great lively discussion i am not disappointed in it at all i'm not either <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm rarely disappointed here uh, maybe there's not. a lesson in that probably uh, not all right until next time we've got some guests uh coming up which uh i'll let you guys know about on social media hope you guys have a great weekend have fun alan take care guys Tend your life, tend your myth Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with Then with glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human 
Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me